The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. You're listening to the, the best, best of the best of the best, best, of, the best, best, of, the best, best sir. With honors. <laughs> this is Make it M.I.P. With Mark Thompson. Get woke. Everyone, this is a truly a very special edition of Make It Flame Day because we're going to talk to someone who many of you know and have heard over the years, but not heard her in some time. Uh, we were live on radio, of course, she was by my side in studio, and we heard her voice in the background and in the foreground, in fact, quite frequently, and especially in the foreground when I was doing something, messing up or doing something wrong. Uh, <laughs> And uh, while you don't hear her in the foreground as much anymore, she is still in that role of accountability of the host. Uh, She is our producer uh, for Make It Plain. And she has a blog on Substack that is something you will want to check out. It is incredible, but particularly for the story she's written most recently. We're going to get into that with Brittany Lynn Temple, BLT. Hey, girl, what's going on? Hey, hey, it's very good to be uh, back on the, you know, quote unquote airwaves. So, you know what I'm just realizing in this moment too, this, or maybe it's tomorrow exactly, but it's five years almost to the day of when we started working together because I left, I left CBS on July 8th and then I started Sirius the next week. Wow. Well, has it been five years? Somebody asked me the other day how, who had read your piece. I said, Mark, how long have you and Brittany been working together? And I, I, I thought, I don't know why I thought, I was thinking six. But you actually came on during the campaign season in 2016. Yeah. Just a few okay. months before the election, yeah. Yeah, okay. So I, I guess that's in, right. And then next thing I know, we were at the debates and, you know. Right, yeah, we were, rolling. We were off to the races. Yeah. And um, so five years, has, has it felt like five years? Yeah. <laughs> No, no. Honestly, it's flown by. I mean, I think the last, now that we're at DCP, it goes quicker because it's, it's so much more fun. (laughs) I mean, it's just a whole different animal, but, uh, you know, we have such a great team overall with DCP. So, um, and you know, I mean, I guess last year was slow in general, but yeah, no, it's been a quick five years. I thought you were actually going to say it feels longer than five years because of me. But, 
I'm, I'm good. No, it's it's a pleasure, folks. This uh, this thing wouldn't go without Brittany. We're very grateful for her. She is a consummate professional, and <laughs> I'm proud to say that we are we're friends. You know, we become friends, and and that's okay. And she shared, frankly, there were circumstances she shared on air at different times. Um, at one point, um, at different times, she co-hosted when we were doing Women's Wednesday, and we dealt with issues of abuse and sexual assault. Uh, I have learned a lot from her. That's what we as men uh, are supposed to do is listen to women and learn from their experiences and uh, defend them and be allies in every sense of the word. Brittany, you have written a piece that is getting a lot of attention. It's a very poignant, heartfelt piece. It is um, a very emotional piece. And the title of it, folks, it's, it's in her blog on Substack, BrittanyTemple.substack.com. I am a survivor. That is the title of her piece. And I said, why don't you come on the show? People want to let's hear your voice on this. So first of all, congratulations on having the courage to write this and publish it. I know it was not easy to do. You know, frankly, it's not easy for some of us to even read. But I want you to feel as comfortable as as you need to feel to share whatever details you want to share or not share. But the the bottom line is you were only 15 years old and you experienced sexual assault. Right. Yeah. So it was um, the summer before my junior year of high school. And I think an important point of all of this is that a lot of times we think of rape and sexual assault and we think in terms of like somebody getting snatched off the street, like dark alleyway. But I was assaulted by my classmate, somebody that I knew. I was at a party and I walked off with him. I was hoping that I was going to like make out with him. I had never really even kissed a boy at that point. Like it was, I was, it was uh, like I, I explained in the essay, I was a late bloomer. I was not getting attention from anyone at that point. And this new kid comes to town. He transfers in before our junior year. And he was immediately popular because he was like, you know, classic athlete. And he just got in with the guys and we're at the party over the summer. And he asked me to take a walk with him and I walked off with him. And we wound up in the backseat of another classmate's car. And, you know, this is the difficult part to really address because it's graphic in nature, but it's the reality of what happened. And there's an important point at the other end of it. So we engaged in a physical encounter and, you know, he, I, I bled, I was not raped. You know, I'm not, I, I'm leading you here to the the truth without saying it explicitly, but like there was an encounter and I bled a lot and Mm. I bled, I left a bloody stain on the back seat of this other kid's car. And, you know, it was hard. I, we got out of the car. I had in the, in the encounter as well, it's worth noting that I did not use the word stop. I said, wait, I repeated over and over again, wait, wait, wait. I kept asking him to wait. And he did not wait. He was extremely aggressive. You know, I, I'm unfortunately, you know, I still live with a lot of the images of what Mm -hmm. happened in the backseat of that car 17 years ago now. But anyway, I bled on the seat. We're getting out of the car. I'm traumatized already. Like it's, I'm, I'm shaken. I remember the feeling I had getting out of the car. Like what just happened to me? Like I knew that 
what had just happened felt wrong as it is. I get out of the car and when the lights go on in the car, cause it's nighttime, I see the blood stain on the seat and my heart sank because not because, again, I'm not even like prioritizing my own well-being at this point. I'm like, oh my God, everyone's going to know. Everyone's going to see that and know. It was obvious. Everyone knew we were back there. And then later in the night when we're all leaving the party, you know, I had kept, I went back to the party, locked it up. You know, my friends were asking what happened. And I was just like, I, I don't even remember what I said. I, I'm sure I just downplayed it. And we, everyone discovers the stain at the end of the night when we're getting back into the cars and everyone's whispering and like the, his friends, the other boys are kind of like, you know, circled up in a way like, Oh my God. And they all know who was back there again. So it was, there was no question about it. And what I also write in the essay is that like, you know, nobody, and this was, this is a sign of the times that we were living in. Nobody asked me like, what happened? Are you okay? Why did you bleed so much? Um, did you resist? Is was was this a consensual engagement? <laughs> no. What happened was the owner of the car decided to give me a nickname, and that nickname was Bleeder. Very creative. Creativity points to him. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so that set off the teasing, the bullying, and it was summertime, so. I hoped that things would just, I, I hoped it would go away by the time school started back up. It happened in August and, you know, I had several weeks to go before we were going back to school. I hoped that, that it would die down or so they'd find somebody else to pick on. But um, we have this uh, spirit week or we used to have a spirit week at my high school and it's all these assemblies at the end of the day, everybody goes into the gym and it's right at the beginning of the year. And I'm crossing the gym, I'm walking with my friends, and all of a sudden I hear a chant start up, and they're mm -hmm. yelling, bleeder, bleeder, bleeder. And I look up into the bleachers, and it's the owner of the car, and all of his buddies, you know, the guys who had been there that night. And um, that's when I realized what, what this was going to be. And it was going to be... I was going to have to survive somehow because something had horrible had happened to me. And despite that, despite, you know, I don't like to use the word victim, but I was the victim in this situation. Despite the fact that something horrible had happened, I was the victim. The situation was turned on its head and I was now being targeted because of it. And I knew that if I was going to survive that and survive is a very key word here because people do commit suicide from these types of situations. I knew that I was going to have to figure out how I was going to survive. And that's essentially what I've been doing every day since I was 15 years old. That is quite a story. You, I want to lift up folks, by the way, Brittany just recently was awarded her master's in English, uh, which is also quite uh, in, impressive. And I'm going to prove to you that she's more than qualified to have that degree by something, something she wrote. And I'm going to just read it to you in the piece. She writes, and, and you know, this is one of those things I was saying to her earlier on the phone. We are someone can write something and you know it's true, but you never heard it really articulated in a way that it 
it, it, it resides in your brain space. But I think you'll find, like I did, what, what I'm about to read to you is absolutely true. But Brittany has put it in a way um, more profound and articulate than anyone I've ever heard of, heard right about it. She writes, when you're a survivor of sexual assault, you don't survive just once at the scene of the crime. You survive every day, every minute. You survive every time someone makes a rape joke or defends an abuser or casually brings up or defends your abuser or says something dismissive about abuse and rape itself. And maybe worst of all, you survive every time someone acts entitled to your body, grabbing at you or harassing you when you're just trying to exist without conflict. And then later you write about how you managed your own survival. And so when people were bullying you and making jokes about it, uh, and let's be honest, those of us of a certain age, um, before the awareness of the Me Too, you know, all the think of, I think everybody can probably go back to high school and think about either witnessing or being a part of something, not necessarily assault jokes, but jokes that you probably realize were cruel <laughs> as a child. Children do that. We, we, we make fun of people in a cruel way. Um, you, and I, you know, when, when I read this too, I could pitch you, Brittany, cause I know you that well, I can see you, um, compensating for the pain, um, by, you know, being the usual outgoing self and making yourself kind of the, the, the butt of the joke. And that's what you had to do, didn't you? Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, that I, I, that's, I think that comes kind of back to personality type too. Like you know me, I'm super outgoing and I joke around a ton as it is. So I saw that I, I, I kind of like had that figured out anyway, because like I said, I was like a very awkward kind of early teen, just so awkward looking. And I got made fun of, you know, for my appearance. And I had, was kind of like ahead of the curve on that one. Like I knew you had to become, you had to beat them to the punchline. You had to if I was telling the joke, if I'm making fun of myself, then they can't pick on me. They can't get to me if I'm already there. So I just, I volunteered that information to people. Like I just pretended like, yeah, I, I'm in on the joke. I made the joke. The joke is mine. So are, are you, you can join me here, but you can't hurt me with it. And that was my way of trying to survive what was going on around me. And actually there was something that I forgot to mention when I was explaining the story, cause it's an important part is that what happened was they started this rumor that I had, that I was so desperate to hook up with this guy that I had had my period and I didn't care that I had my period. I just, you know, I'm just going to menstruate all over somebody's back seat. I let him take my pants off and I was like willing to bleed out just to, just to hook up with this kid, which I'm glad I can laugh now in all sincerity, but obviously it was very traumatizing at the time. But that was the rumor, right? So they said that I got my period all over the backseat. What I was unwilling to admit at the time was that I had never even had my period. That's what I was afraid to admit, that I didn't go through puberty yet. Not that I had been assaulted, not that I had asked him to wait. Not that it had so deeply rocked me to my core that I wasn't sleeping and I was having nightmares about it. And I was just sick. I was, I, when it, when I really think back on how I felt in those weeks after I was suffering, 
suffering like deeply, but I was doing so silently. And, and, and that's one of the ways that I was deflecting was with humor. And it was because, like I said, I was, I was so concerned about not being seen as like um, somebody who's like mature or like, you know, of age. I was more concerned about admitting that I hadn't had my period yet than I was about what I had gone through. And that is like, no, that's so backwards. It's ridiculous. So, you know, it just, like I said, it was a sign of the time that we were living in. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's sign of time, sign of maturity. I mean, I, I, you know, having raised teenagers, the things they do, I'm like, why are you tripping about that? But then I go back. Well, I tripped about that when I was a teenager. That's just yeah. kind of how it was and the way things happened. So during that time, you suffered in silence. There was no one for you to confide in, was there? There was one person who actually I sort of told the truth. Because it's important to also point out that I, when it happened, I did not know to name it sexual assault. It wasn't until mm, I, I was in right. a therapy session over 10 years later that uh, a therapist said to me, do you realize that you did not consent to what had happened? And and that was like, I, I, like <laughs> that's a whole other thing. but. There was one person who I told that it, I told the truth about how I wasn't calling it a sexual assault, but I told the truth about how deeply it had, how uncomfortable it had been for me and how I hadn't wanted it. That was kind of what, how I was calling it. And it's funny. He ended up being, he, it was a guy who I met in science class and he ended up being my first real boyfriend a few months later because he kind of, he actually went to bat for me. We, we developed a very deep friendship because, um, he kind of stood up for me, not kind of, he did stand up for me, actually. He was, the, a lot of the boys who were picking on me were, I was a junior, and a lot of the boys who were picking on me were seniors. And he was a senior, my friend who became my boyfriend. And um, it was something that was buzzing around the school, guys that he was spending time with. And, and he did go to bat for me. And he's the only person at the time that I told I didn't even tell my friends because my friends were doing like mature things like, you know, making out with boys and stuff. And like, I wasn't really doing any of that. So I thought that if I said I hadn't wanted it, then I'm like rejecting growing up and that I'm going to be a loser. Like everyone's going to be like, oh, Brittany's a prude. She's bitter. And I had already been through too much with like just getting teased for crap. I was sick of it. I just like didn't want to hear it anymore. So. I did tell that one person and I was lucky. I was, I was very lucky that I, I met this nice guy in science class. So that's the only person. More MIP after this message. Well, it seems, it seems like the important thing to note here is that when you say you are a survivor, you have survived the assault and everything that came from it. So it's not just the actual assault itself, but the other thing you went, the other things you went to, the, the ridicule, the shame. And I mean, that must have been a great, probably more suffering uh, than you realize at the time, as you said, learn from it. It's not like going to a therapist to find out something that's happened you didn't realize happened. Uh, <laughs> and yeah. it had an impact on you. That's a mind uh, fuck. That's what we call a mind fuck. Is that what it is? Okay, all right. I, I've had one or two of those. Yeah, it was life. a major like, mind fuck. I'm like, really? Did that, did that happen? I didn't realize that happened when it happened. I, yeah. I yeah. sat there in silence. I was like, yeah, what? yeah, yeah, yeah. What? Um, and, and I can totally relate even to you, you know, seeing your peers doing things you weren't doing. Yeah. And not wanting to feel 
left out from that. Oh, yeah. Um, so uh, uh, what made you now decide to tell this story really to the world now? Well, there are two reasons, which I also address in the essay. Well, I, as I begin the essay, I, it really kind of came out of the Cosby news last week because people got in touch with me and, you know, because I'm very outspoken about this stuff in my everyday life when it comes to like, you know, especially the public figures getting taken down. I'm always just like, I get very frustrated because like I say in the piece, you know, we tell girls you're equal, you matter. And then we let people like Bill Cosby walk right out of jail after three years. And it takes high profile trials to hold these people accountable. And I believe that those trials are symbolic and only intended to soothe the masses and just make us believe like, oh, things are changing. Oh, it's getting better. And like maybe in some small ways it is. Yeah, because it's different than how it was when I was in high school. But like I make the point, like this is happening in our communities. One, depending on where you get the data from, it's either one in five or one in six women are going to be raped in their lifetime. Okay, we all know six women. So, you know, somebody who has been or is eventually going to be raped. This is happening everywhere. So we need to stop like getting caught up in the headline stories. Those they're important. Yes, they are super important. But it's the community level that we need to be engaging in. And so that's people hit me up about Cosby. And I'm like, yeah, but like, guys, look around you. Yes, I'm mad about Cosby, but I'm mad every single day about girls who went through experiences like I did, or who will go through experiences like I did, you know, it just change, times have changed, but girls still get bullied for these types of situations. It does end up coming back to the point where the girl is the one who is blamed. So again, that's kind of like what pushed me in that sense, like why I'm sharing it at this exact moment. But I also, I feel ready to share the story because I'm in a place, a place that I hope all survivors will someday reach where like, I really feel like I'm in control of the narrative. It took me so long just to be able to say that it was a sexual assault. And from there, it's been little building blocks. Part of it was the segment that we did on over at SiriusXM Women's Wednesday and talking to other people who are survivors. Like that stuff used to just like swell my heart and little things like that have been building blocks to the point where I'm at today, where I feel very strong as far as sharing the truth of what happened. I'm very confident. I used to doubt too, did that even happen? Did I make that up in my head? I want to hug that version of myself so deeply who almost didn't trust her own eyes and brain and heart. That's not who I am anymore. I trust what I know. I know what I know. I've got the knowledge and I'm ready to share it and do so confidently. And at the end of the day, it really always comes back to this one thing is that in sharing my story, I firmly believe that the more we talk about it, the more people who share their stories, that is what changes things. And yes, we need good, strong laws that protect women. And we need to change the statistics of how many abusers are, the number that happen to the number that are reported to the number that are arrested. Those statistics need to change. We need to be holding them accountable with the law. Absolutely. But I believe that a lot of the strength comes from sharing stories. And I know that it's also part of a healing process. For me, sharing has been healing. And what I've found, the most incredible thing that has happened 
from publishing this piece is the outpouring of love, support, and also people saying they went through it too, and they never felt comfortable to come forward. And reading my story made them feel like they could tell me I've been assaulted also. And because there is strength in that. It's not about hot gossip. Like this is not just to trade war stories. This is taking control of the narrative, owning what happened and saying, no more. Women are not doing this shit anymore. It's over. So in speaking up, it's the most effective way to just really be able to sit on top of the whole situation and just be like, this is mine now. This is mine. You had me to my abuser. You know, you had me in that moment, but now I'm, I'm in control now and I'm never giving it back. Yeah. Folks, Brittany does provide some information that we should know. The statistics to which she was just alluding to. For every 1,000 rapes, 384 are reported to police. Only 57 result in an arrest. 11 are referred for prosecution. Seven result in a felony conviction. And six result in incarceration. And she writes, consider those numbers the next time you are about to ask someone why they didn't bother to report their assault. So I, I guess in closing, in terms of what you would like women who are listening, or men for that matter, how would you, what would you like them to do? How would you like for them to be empowered from your piece? And I guess you mentioned it, that uh, you want people to feel, to gain the strength to come forward whenever they can. Uh, but you've also mentioned you've not only survived, you, you've healed. And that's important too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and I speak strictly from a women's perspective, obviously, because I am a woman, but men are assaulted too at, you know, in the data shows fewer numbers, but they are also survivors. There are male survivors. And yeah, I just, I always say I'm speak, I can only talk from my point of view. That's where I'm coming from. But this is for men too. And yeah, I mean, it really, what I want, what I could only hope for is that the more we discuss these things, the more people feel empowered in from every point of view in the situation. So like, for example, I hear from a lot of people who are saying, I feel empowered to share my story now, but I'm also hearing from people. I've gotten emails in response to this from men. One guy wrote to me and he's like, I feel extremely conscious now of what I didn't speak up about when I was in high school. And I'm going to change the way I do that going forward. Like I'm going to be an advocate now because it takes us actively talking about it because I feel like our culture is just waiting for us to get quiet again about it. And then you see comebacks, right? Like Louis CK all of a sudden is doing comedy, like dropping in on comedy shows. Charlie Rose was plotting a, a show. You know, you hear, they're just popping up, popping up. They wait for us to get silent. And it doesn't matter if you have been sexually assaulted, if you don't even have to know somebody who's been sexually assaulted, but you probably do just based on the statistics. We have to just be able to say, we're just done. We're done being quiet about it. You can mock us all day for wanting to have discussions about consent, but we're not going to sacrifice our bodies, our hearts, and our minds anymore. There is no more sacrifice coming on behalf of anyone. It's not, we're not going to do it anymore. So that's what I want is people just saying no more. 
we're not doing it. And then that's people find strength in that as we see that we're supported because that's like, you know, the other piece is people saying that they're going to be a good ally advocate, you know, not be a bystander, just really stand up for people who are coming forward. And then the people who find themselves in these situations, like I found myself when I was 15, I wish that I had known that there is power in the truth. I didn't know that back then. The culture did not support that back then. But I hope that now that's what I want is is for the culture to support girls who find themselves in this situation, no matter what happens. You don't have to bleed on the back of a car seat for you to have the right and the power to speak truth to what happened to you. And that's how we're all going to survive because we're going to do it together. It's corny, but it's so fucking true. Yeah. Now banding together it really is. More MIP after this message. No, and I'm, I'm glad to hear that. You heard that from some of the men, because those kind of men I was really talking about, those who could be more advocates and, uh, and allies and yeah. people didn't understand just how prevalent this is. Just because you someone's not shared it with you doesn't mean they've not been through that, uh, that they've not had to face that. And Brittany is an example of a situation where, there, first of all, there's no incentive whatsoever on this earth nowadays for women to come forward. It no. just doesn't mean anything. It, it doesn't. And it usually ends up leading to more consequences for the woman exactly. uh, than for the man, frankly. Women, you know, and, and men, we look at women differently sometimes and we judge them and we blame them. Uh, and some women do it to other women. There's um, a whole lot of fear on the co- yeah. on coming forward. Whole lot of fear. And it's justified. Totally justified. Yeah. And I think the Cosby verdict adds to that or the Cosby appeal. Oh, yeah. Because now, you know, you know, it, it lets people know even more so what's the point in, in, yeah. in coming forward? What's the point? What's that going to do? Not even uh, the celebrities staying locked up. Yeah. Yeah. This big trial, 60 women. Mm. Let them out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of yeah. course, girls don't come forward because every every day they're saying nothing's going to happen. But yeah. that's why I'm saying no more. Like, that's what I mean when I say no more. We're yeah. not accepting that. Yeah. Yeah. Brittany, very proud of you, very proud of your you. courage. So, you know, there's this thing, I don't know how you feel about it, but, you know, some women say they're tired of men referring to them as, as strong. It's almost as if, you know, you ought to be allowed to be vulnerable sometimes. But I don't know if anyone would say, it's, to me, it still takes an incredible amount of strength, not only to overcome that, to survive in the way you have in the many ways see folks we ought to if, if nothing else feel differently about what survival means now not just the incident but what the aftermath is it takes strength not only to do that but strength to muster the courage to share uh to share that story after all these years uh i have to ask you have you heard from any of your classmates from back in the day who were around oh yeah oh, oh. Yeah, my inbox is blowing up with Kinawan High School kids. <laughs> wow. The most wonderful, absolutely wonderful messages. Um, oh, wow. Kinawan is where I'm from. That's why I said Kinawan High School. That's my hometown. Yeah, people who remember it and regret not doing something. Yeah. There are people who don't remember it because, you know, A, it was 17 years ago. B, when, when something's happening to you, you think the whole world is staring at you. But, you know, of course, it went over some kids' heads. Right. Uh, 
I just people saying, I can't believe that this was going on. I had no idea. So sorry. And I told them all basically a version of the same thing in that we were all doing the best that we could with what we had. I didn't even know what I was going through. I did not have the yeah. knowledge. I did not. Our culture was not there. There was nothing to support my understanding or anyone else's understanding. So I, I love that I've been able to reconnect with some people. There's some people I haven't spoken to since high school and I got to exchange some messages with and that's been really amazing. I've also heard from people, they know who I'm talking about because mm. you know they went to high school and they also had very negative experiences with him. Mm. So that's been interesting. <laughs> so, mm. um, you know, I'm not interested in like naming my abuser. You know, it's not about him anymore. But um, it validated me a little bit, though, to be reminded that you kind of something else that happens when you're abused is you wonder, why did this happen to me? What is it about me that made put me? Why did I have to be put in this position? And that's another version of blaming yourself, blaming myself. And yeah. I blamed myself for <laughs> I blamed myself for a long time. Um, wow. And that's just another version of blaming oneself. And it's to hear from the other people who were also in similar situations with this person. It's like, it wasn't my fault. It wasn't my fault mm -hmm. at all. Yeah. Yeah. And I made, and it took a long time to realize that though. You have truly helped a lot of people. Oh. I'm certain of that. Um, and it's interesting. You were the one that were bullied. You said you were awkward. I don't know. I don't see it though. I I would I will share my like some pictures of me from middle school. <laughs> okay, well I need to see that because I haven't seen the awkward one it's yet. Just, it's I I it's it's funny to me now. It's like yeah. I I feel like I look back and I'm like, oh, she was adorable. But at the time, <laughs> I was like, I couldn't get my hair right. I wore a lot of baggy clothes. I was very bony. Yeah, trust me, I was awkward. <laughs> <laughs> well. But I mean, to, to have been the awkward one, to have been the, the, the brunt of the joke, the the one who was bullied, just goes to show you, you know, the, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. And you're the first now. It's taking some time, but you're in the, you're in the first place now. And uh, I'm sure a lot of people are thankful for that. And you set a lot of people free by telling your story. I'm very touched by it. Um, you know, Brittany shared some of her loved ones and their concerns and their reactions, which are only natural. I'm the same, because this is someone who's a friend of mine, folks, and hearing about this is very troubling. And I had to, I even had to tell myself, you know, Mark, there's nothing you can do. You know, I was like, well, I need to go do something. Yeah. But I need to, you know, go, you know, somewhere and do something. But I mean, there's really not anything you can do, but lift up. So I've shared it, folks, you need to share it with everyone. I'm sharing, sharing it with everyone I know. And everyone I've shared it with has been really moved by it. Um, and yeah. really applaud your courage. And, and I'm going to tell you what, what I hear too, what's not being said. I'm hearing from more and more women. Because see, I didn't know coming up, I assumed that I'd never met anyone, Brittany, who had experienced sexual assault. Yeah. I just assumed that. And I have, I mean, you know some of my family. I have, I'm close to all the women in my family. I have a lot of close women friends. I just assumed it never happened. Right. I, don't, I can't say that anymore because I don't know. It, this this piece has opened my eyes to the point where just because someone has not articulated it to me or someone else, it's not up to me to assume. And you said one in six anyway. Yeah. Um, so I'm hearing from women, some of whom you even know. I'm so proud of Brittany. I'm so proud of Brittany. But now I'm wondering, you know, and they talk about your courage. Brittany is so courageous, Mark. But now I'm hearing also inner mind saying to me, well, 
is she great or, or do you have something you also need to share that maybe you don't feel you have the courage to do it right now? You know, and so I'm reading between those lines. So you have yeah. done a, a great deal uh, for a lot of people uh, and uh, in doing this. Um, and so we thank you and we thank you for um, being a guest today on the show that you actually produce. She didn't produce this herself. I produced this segment. I said, I want you to come on the show. Come on the Thanks. show. So I, I'm actually the producer of this, this one segment because I asked her to come on. <laughs> but, uh, you know that I appreciate you endlessly for asking me to discuss the piece, for sharing it. You are one of my biggest supporters. So I'm eternally grateful to you for that. And all I just all I could hope for is that people read it and feel a little bit stronger themselves in whatever capacity that may be. That's yeah. really all I ever wanted. I never imagined that it would be the outpouring that it is. And it's the most fucking awesome thing to turn this horrible, painful experience into something that's healing for myself and apparently for other people. Like that blows my mind. I can't believe it. But it's yeah. just been incredible. I just, I love hearing from people. If you read it and you want to reach out to me, write to me. I will write back to you. I've responded to everybody. It's taken me, I've been on my phone more than I have in the whole year, but I love it. I love, I love being able to connect with people like this and empowering women. Fuck. Yeah. That's my favorite thing. <laughs> That's my favorite thing. So it's a blast. Yeah. And, and, and it's, and it's one of mine too. So I'm glad to do it with you. I'm glad to stand with you. So thank you. Brittany Temple folks go to Substack, uh, which is again, an incredible platform. Yeah. Uh, that's nothing about Brittany. She's able to do the show and write. I'm not able to do it for some reason, even though I should be. It's, it's a shame. <laughs> Y'all pray for me because you know I've said to people I do this. I do radio broadcast, but my training is actually as a writer. But I don't do it. So I don't put it in know. writing. But, uh, put it in writing. Yeah, I know. I need. I need. It's just finding time. I I I, I put so much time into it. I don't have time to do it. So, um, <laughs> but uh, I am a survivor. That's in the right all along Substack. Brittany temple.substack.com and we tweeted about it and make it plain as well so spread the word folks simply by sharing Brittany's story you may be helping someone to to address to deal with it um and everybody it, it, no one is required to tell their story unless they want to but i wonder how many other people like Brittany have had to survive in all the different ways negotiate the jokes negotiate other situations that they still have not been able to free themselves from. Think about that. Um, and Lord knows how many young women uh, can be helped by this. Things are different now. Young women shouldn't have to go through what Brittany goes. I think it's a little different now, but you never know. BrittanyTemple.substack.com. I am a survivor. The name of her blog is right all along. and She's doing a great job of it. Master's. Congratulations. This year, she graduated with her master's. Uh, so she's heavy. She's on that shake, that shake. She's masters on that Shakespearean level. Who knows what's next? You know. Thank you, Brittany. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. Please remember to listen, like, and wherever you get your podcasts. Please give the show a five star rating, and please do spread the word. Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police demic. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.